Hey folks, it's Jesse, the founder of MaxFun. Since we postponed our annual MaxFun drive in mid-March, we have gotten a lot of questions about if and when we'd be rescheduling it. And honestly, we've been asking ourselves the same thing. Well, now we have an answer for you. The 2020 MaxFun drive will start on July 13th. That's coming up soon. We decided to have the drive now because it's always brought a lot of joy and excitement to our community and certainly to us. And to be totally honest, it's also the main source of income for some of our hosts. Like pretty much everything right now, this year's drive is going to be a little different. Uh, We'll still be bringing you very special episodes, fun community activities, premium thank you gifts. But we also know it's a weird time and for some folks, a really difficult one. Some people are in a position to become new or upgrading members. Others can't right now. And that is okay. We'll have ways for you to support MaxFun at every level, including some ways that won't cost you anything. We're also going to run the drive for four weeks instead of two. We didn't think it was a good time to be rushing anybody, and uh, having a longer drive lets us be a little more low-key in our drive pitch. It also gives us more time to do fun stuff, like the weekly live streams we'll be putting on for charity throughout the drive. Most importantly, we want the 2020 Max Fund Drive to highlight all the ways we support each other and our communities. We also want to show how grateful we are to you for making all the work that we do possible. Stay safe. We'll see you July 13th for the Max Fund Drive. You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're ticking off another box from the 2020 Reading Glasses Challenge. Read a book with a non-human protagonist. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I'm reading a book uh, called Bluebird, Bluebird by Attica Locke. Uh, I This book has been on my list for a hot minute since it came out. It's sort of a mystery, which I was looking for. I was really wanting a mystery right now. And, you know, you brought up a couple weeks ago, you're like, don't you love it when a place is set where you're from? And I was like, God, I haven't read anything really that's set where I'm from. This is set where I'm from. It is. Is it really? Yeah, it's mysteries set in East Texas. And, um... It is about a Texas Ranger, a black Texas Ranger, uh, not the baseball team, the actual people who solve crimes, uh, named Darren. Um, and <laughs> he, um, it, it, the book open, the book starts with him, and he's sort of in this like place where he might get his badge taken away for various reasons. But then he ends up getting involved in this mystery and helping solve. Well, I hope he helps solve it. I'm only halfway through. I think he has a good shot of solving this um, <laughs> this mystery of um, two bodies. <laughs> I, have, uh, I have high hopes for him. <laughs> yeah, two bodies um, uh, washed up out of a river um, in East Texas. Uh, one was of a black man, and then a few days later, the body of a young white woman. And uh, basically, it's it's a lot of um, the town has a lot of like sort of. Uh, simmering racial tension and um, this this um, Texas Ranger goes down and he kind of pairs up with the wife of the the black man who was um, whose body washed up and uh, has to like solve this crime while dealing with um, this like Aryan Brotherhood which is out there and and other um, lots of racism lots of people who don't take him seriously but then he's like a texas ranger so then they like feel like they have to sometimes it's really well written it's a great thriller slash mystery um definitely has some thriller elements um and it's a series there's multiple ones in this um they're called the highway oh. 50 59 books i grew up off of highway 59 
So it's like a very wow. interesting. They talk about my hometown, Marshall, in it. They mention Wiley College. Oh, There's wow. all these things that happen that I was like, oh my god, that's that's East Texas. So that was very exciting. Um, and uh, I don't know, it was like kind of nice. I, I had been kind of saving it to read when I go. I was going to read it when I went back this year for South by Southwest, and I didn't go, uh, obviously because COVID happened. Um, so I decided to read it now, and um, it's fantastic. I'm excited about the next one. Uh, love it. If you're looking for a mystery set in Texas, this is this is quite a joy. Funny we were both reading mysteries set in Texas recently because you did last week. Oh, yeah. Texas What's, is a mysterious place. A mysterious, mysterious little place. What are you reading, Mallory? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very big place. <laughs> Just a tiny, I, tiny little place. I've only been to place. Texas... I've only been to Austin twice, so I feel like I truly have no grasp about how gigantic Texas is. Yeah. You have to once you drive across it, which I've done many a time. May, not many, but I've done it quite a few times because coming from California, because I live, I'm from a town that's that's like thirty minutes from the border of Louisiana. So it's like you literally, oh, wow. it literally takes you like fifteen hours or something to drive from one side of Texas to my hometown, fourteen hours, something like that. It's huge, huge. Wow. Um, what are you reading? Uh, I am listening to the audiobook of a really amazing nonfiction book. It's called Why Fish Don't Exist by Lulu Miller. And it is a book. It, it's one. It's it's a book that pulls off this incredible magic trick. And when you're start, you're listening to it and it start. It's a biography of this scientist, this taxonomist, uh, da- a man named David Star Jordan, who is not alive anymore, was alive like, you know, 100 years ago. And the author, Lulu Miller, discovered this guy and wanted to do a deep dive into this man's obsession with classifying things and taxonomy Mm. and in this very interesting, interesting man. But it starts to turn into this really incredible, it's also like part, a little bit part memoir, um, but it starts to turn into this examination of why there's a certain type of person who most of the time ends up being older and white and male, who is obsessed with this old style of classifying living beings in this way that isn't even scientifically accurate, but they cling to it. Mm. And it's honestly like, it is so astonishing. It is so good. It is, and it's not super long. I think the audio book, I'm almost done with it. The audio book, it's like five hours long it's not 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 a long read especially when you're me and you listen to it on like 1.25 or 1.5 um and it's just absolutely wonderful and it's a really good book for right now especially when we're all like sort of sad uh and angry about you know people like jk rowling who are just like clinging to these complete these like archaic ideas that aren't even scientifically accurate about how to classify people by gender or by race that's just like all so wrong um but in this book does a really really great job of examining that and she's a really good writer uh so that's called because and the thing is the truth is fish don't exist fish do not exist as a category i don't know i don't know mallory i've seen them i've seen them (laughs) (laughs) i've seen a fish (laughs) Had one for dinner. <laughs> I've seen those things. <laughs> one of the things that I love about our friendship, Bria, is you and I, you and I and John are also the same kind of people who find it really funny when cartoon characters eat fish in that way uh. that they like swallow it whole and pull out the bones. Like- yeah. I also think it's really funny um, when like cartoon characters sleep in a sardine can. <laughs> like that's like when they and they roll it down like they roll down the yes. metal and then they roll it up and they sleep in a sardine can and that's real funny to me 
I, I do love that we both love fish themed humor. Fish jokes. Um, fish jokes. <laughs> but this this book, yeah, is really it's amazing. It's I I it's, I think it's on track to be one of my favorite books of the year. Uh, yeah. It is uh, Why Fish Don't Exist by Lulu Miller, and mine is Bluebird Bluebird by Attica Lott. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Stevie wrote in about undercovers, which is what we decided to call the thing. What uh, what my best friend Lauren Panapinto <laughs> calls the bookcase designs that are uh, like the, on a hardcover book underneath the book jacket. Uh, and I do want to say when we got this email, it made me feel really fucking cool. Um, so Stevie says, when I heard you talk about undercovers, I realized that I had seen at least one cool one recently, and I found it on The Starless Sea by Aaron Morgenstern. Oh. I got this book at a signing in, in Tulsa earlier this year where the author even mentioned her friend Mallory O'Mara. Oh. <laughs> yes. Erin Morgenstern is a friend of mine. She is absolutely amazing. Uh, and I think because of this, the person behind me in the signing line started talking to her friend about reading glasses. And oh. I jumped in to say that I also love reading glasses. <laughs> I just like that has filled my heart with so much pure joy. To just like imagining people at a signing all going like, I also love reading glasses. Oh my I God. That it's sounds like so great. Uh, my heart. Uh, so when you talked about the Evelyn Hugo book and getting it confused with something else, I thought, I bet I know what she's talking about. And this Stevie is correct. So a while back, I pick up the seven and a half deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle, oh, yes. uh -huh. mostly because it sounded like my jam, but also because I thought my book club had read it on a month I hadn't read or participated and people liked it. Much later, the pieces clicked into place. My book club hadn't read it. They had read the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. <laughs> Wrong Evelyn. <laughs> With a collection of seven to a seven and a half things. Oops, maybe I'll read the Hugo book someday. And I agree. I think that's what I, I confuse these books constantly. Some, those authors need to do an event together, though, and talk about why they both ended up with similar names in, like, books that came out in, like, similar years. Like, they both yes. came out, like, in the same year, I think, or a year apart. Yes, like, I it's feel like, that's it's, crazy. Like, it's like the prestige and the illusionist. They, like, yeah. came out at the same time. Yeah. It's really confusing. This is, listen, I have a lot of theories about, like, how we start to think about things in the cultural zeitgeist and, like, why that happens, but I won't get into it right now. Um, Shelby wrote in about TBR piles. After recently clearing out my TBR shelves on Goodreads, thanks to Brian Mallory, I made a decision that has changed the amount of pressure I put myself put on myself when it comes to my TBR. I decided that I would remove all my books I had already owned already owned from my digital TBR and went down from 670 to 420. Aha. Oh, the way I, like I that. The way I see it now is that my books take up enough room in my physical shelves that they don't need to take up even more on my digital ones. I now see my bookshelf bookshelves as my sole TBR and only look at the Goodreads TBR when I start treating myself to a delivery from my local independent bookstore. Shout out to Story Smith Books in Bristol, England. Um, ooh, it's Eng this person's English. Um, it's such a small thing, but it really helped my reading life feel so much less bogged under, and any decrease in stress is important in these times. Oh, that is smart. So basically... Um, Shelby had her books, her like digital books and her physical books she wanted to read on her on her TBR list, but she just made it all made it separate, which I think is smart. I think that's genius. Takes I think I off. love this idea. Mm -hmm. uh, so finally, we're very excited to we've made this announcement a few times, and I think this time it's actually and we always have real. to take it out of the show. <laughs> uh, the Maximum Fun, Max Fun Drive is finally happening starting next week. Uh, Maximum Fun has made made the decision uh, that we 100% support. We're supposed to, the Fun Drive was supposed to be in March. Uh, obviously, the quarantine put, uh, threw a monkey wrench into that. And then 
we were going to do it again, but there's just, there was so much happening and now we're going to finally do it. It's going to be a different sort of drive than normal, but we are super excited. We've had these two amazing, two of the best episodes I think we've ever done. These two episodes that we recorded, um, and it's funny because Brie and I were like, should we record, should we release these? Because they're like, it's like a time capsule because we recorded them in February. So we should like say who they're no with. No reference. We should say who they're with. We can talk about it, right? We can say who they're with. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So one is with uh, Noah Segan, actor Noah Segan, talking about dad books. And it is very funny and very dark all it at the is, same time. It I is, will say it is Sean's favorite episode <laughs> we've ever done. <laughs> Sean was like, that's the best one you've ever done. The best one we've pack ever it up, done. Pack it in. Like, and that this, was it. And the second episode we did uh, was with Ryder Strong about like book etiquette, which I thought was very important, but also it's Ryder fucking Strong, which is very exciting for all of us who are fans of his, including me. Yeah. Yes. And uh, well, Ryder also does the Literary Disco podcast, which we love. Uh, so we're super excited to have him on the show. We have these two amazing episodes and we also have a ton of amazing events that we're going to be doing, fun stuff we're going to do, personal reading classes goals for subscribers. So for all the amazing folks who have reached out and said, hey, how can we support the two of you during this really tough time? This is the time. Uh, yeah. We work really hard to make this podcast and uh, most of the people who listen to it do listen to it for free and it takes a lot of time and energy. It's, it's our part-time job. It is part of our job. Uh, so we really, really appreciate the folks who want to support us even for a small amount of money every month. So now is the time to do that. Uh, we are yeah. so excited. Yeah. And if you don't know how Maximum Fun or what the fuck we're talking about, Maximum Fun is kind of run like your local NPR station or something like that where we actually do a fun drive every year. And you give, if you give $5 a month or something to Maximum Fun and you say you listen to Reading Glasses, uh, we get a percentage of that for Mallory and I to share. And then Maximum Fun also takes a percentage of that to, because uh, there's a bunch of cool people who work there who help us out every week. They help us in, and and uh, all the, the space, wherever our podcast goes, you got to pay for all that space. You, we pay for their support, yep. their tech support. Uh, they help us find advertisers. They're fantastic. We really love them. Um, so that's what we're talking about. And you'll be hearing a lot more about it next week. But it's going to be, normally we do it for two weeks around this time. And we push a lot and we talk a whole bunch. And this time we won't be talking about it nearly as much. You'll just hear us mention that it's happening. And you can give money and get some cool shit. And we'll tell you more about it next week. And we'll do fun stuff, which is we're really, really excited about. One more bookmark from us. Um, we are going to do another isolation book club and we're going to do it during the maximum fun drive um it will happen on july 31st uh some people requested we do one earlier in the day so we're going to do it at 2 p.m pst so anyone can join who wants to join it'll be on our instagram and it'll be on there later if you want to watch it later um the short story we're doing is from samantha schweblin's um, short story collection mouthful of birds but we found another version wait this is hard to explain. So it's Mouthful of Birds is the, is the short story we want to do. But we found a version of this, sh of this short story um, called Birds in the Mouth that has a different translator whose name is Joel Stryker. Um, and that's over on Electric Literature. And we'll put the link in the show notes. It's a really great story. Um, you could also read it from Samantha Schweblin's um, uh, short story book, which is called Mouthful of Birds, and that's the name of the short story there. So you can read it online, and it's called 
Birds in the Mouth, or you can read it in uh, in the book, in the actual book, and it's called um, Mouthful of Birds. And we can talk about the differences between the two translations. Uh, the, the book is translated by Megan McDowell. Yeah, so join us for Mouthful of Birds or Birds in the Mouth. That's July 31st at 2 p.m. PST. We're going to do it early. Mallory will go to the Hugo Awards. Go, quotes, in on Zoom. Hugo Awards afterwards. Um, and yeah, join us for that hour, 2 to 3 o'clock. See you then. Uh, so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month. You can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Before we talk about books with non-human protagonists, we're going to take a quick break. This episode of Reading Glasses is sponsored by the Rotman Business School. The job market is understandably a mess right now. So whether you're looking for a new opportunity or you want to make yourself a stronger candidate for promotion, business skills will help take you to the next step. Guess who can help you out? The University of Toronto Rotman School of Management. It's one of the best schools in Canada and the world ranked number 17 for open enrollment executive education by the Financial Times. And if you live in the United States, don't forget that the price is in Canadian dollars. The exchange rate works in your favor, meaning the U.S. dollar price is lower. If you don't have the time or money for an MBA, Rotman's MBA Essentials Online is the next best thing. So if you want to get started in this program, visit uft.me slash maxfun. That's uft.me slash maxfun to learn more and apply. So class starts August 10th, Whoa, 2020. that's very soon. Uh, you can start your application today to save your seat. We're all still stuck inside in this pandemic. If you're looking for something productive to do with your time, if you've always wanted to learn more about business, if you've always been interested in getting an MBA, this is the perfect online course for you. You can do it. You don't even have to put on real pants. Stay home in your pajamas. So you can go to uofte.me slash maximum fun. That's uofte.me slash max fun. Rotman. Here's where it changes. Glasses. I started listening to Ono, Ross, and Carrie shortly after I broke my arm, and the doctor had told me I'd never walk again. I couldn't get my book started. I was lost, honestly. I knew it was time to make a change. There's something about Oh No, Ross and Carrie that you just can't get anywhere else. They're thought leaders, discoverers founders. I'd call them heroes. Ross and Carrie don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal. They take part themselves. They show up so you don't have to. But you might find that you want to. My arm is better. I can walk again. I wrote an entire book this weekend. It, it's terrible, but I did it. Just go to MaximumFun.org. Thank, Thank you, Ross, Ross and Carrie. Ona Ross and Carrie is just a podcast. It doesn't do anything. It's just sounds you listen to in your ears. All these people are made up. Goodbye. This week, we're ticking off another box on the 2020 Reading Glasses Challenge. Read a book with a non-human protagonist. This is actually the last episode of the book portion of the challenge that we have to do this year. Uh, the only ones we still have to do episodes about are of the activity portion. Really? So I didn't know. That's we're, cool. We're, have, we're over halfway through the year. Bria, we are cruising. All right. Uh, so I really, wanted to put, I, I really wanted to put this on the 2020 challenge because almost no matter what you read, I mean, 
uh, this part of the challenge will encourage you to read something new, no matter what kind of genre that you are drawn to. It is probably going to push you in some, in some sort of direction. Uh, and it's much harder than you think to find a book with a non-human protagonist. Uh, it might encourage you to read something that is YA or middle grade. It might encourage you to read something that's genre like sci-fi or fantasy or horror. Uh, it just will. I, I think this is a great fun way to get out of your comfort zone. Bria, do you know what you're reading for this part of the challenge? Well, I love non-humans. I love non-humans <laughs> more than I love a human. Um, aliens, animals, amoebas. I've read books on all of these things. <laughs> things that start with A's. Um, I So well, we'll have to talk about what can count. Uh, because I think I've read quite a few things this year that might count. Like, for example, is a witch a human? Is a mermaid a human? Yeah. Ooh. I th- think... Uh, well, we'll get that to that. We'll get into it. We're talking sure. about it in a second. Okay. Um, I just read this book called Little Eyes. Did you read Little Eyes yet? No. The new but Samantha. I, w- I still have to read Mouthful of Birds. Ah, yes. It's the new Samantha Swablin. And um, it's like there's a bunch of little I, I think this could count. It's it's about these like kind of basically like Furby kind of character like creatures, but it's not told from their point of view. It's told from the people's point of view who has them. So maybe that's not right. Anyway, um, the book I know that counts, uh, that I already read is a book called uh, catfishing on catnet, uh, which did I talk about this on the show? I can't remember if I did. Yes. I, I yes, you did. Freaking loved this book. But one of the POVs is told from different POVs. And one of the POVs is an AI. AI. That's, that's a non-human protagonist. Oh, that totally counts. And Mallory, you would actually really dig this book. I think I, I would suggest you picking it up. It's, um, kind of a YA sort of book about, uh, these friends that all meet on the internet and the main, uh, character is is dealing with some family problems and then the AI who kind of runs the website that they're all friends on which is called Catnet kind of gets involved and helps them to solve their problems but it's like um, it's great it's really cute all these friends like meet online in this like cool like Generation Z way I don't know I'm old uh, but it's it's fantastic I loved it <laughs> very good there's another book I've been thinking about reading and I want to talk to you if you think that this counts it's a nonfiction book and it kind of is similar to the book you're reading this week it's called Cod and it's about the history of the codfish it's a micro history do we feel like this counts because it's not a protagonist because no, it has to be it, it, it would have to be a single cod who is going on an adventure through the ocean would read would read that book (laughs) okay all right so we're saying we can't just do a micro history about like you know the history of doorknobs or some shit like that it has to be it has to be a protagonist a protagonist okay Uh, well catfishing on you find a book about a young cod on a journey interested that would send it to me i'm interested uh, the author of Catfishing on Catnet is Catnet, Catnet. It has all these cat things in there. It's really cute. It's called, uh, is uh, Naomi Kritzer. So I, I would totally suggest this book for people looking. Uh, what are you going to read for this? So I think I'm finally going to read the first book in the Redwall series. Yeah, I somehow totally fucking missed this series when I was a kid. And there's something really nice about reading a book with woodland creatures as the characters. Uh, one of my favorite books of all time is Watership Down by Richard mm. Adams. Just like imagine the only thing you need to worry about in your life is finding some acorns and like drinking dew out of a <laughs> buttercup or, or like shit like that. Like we're all so stressed out and exhausted and like and just like emotion- emotionally fried right now. I can't think of anything better than just like hanging like a like being in a world where I'm like a small woodland creature you know, living in the hollow of a tree, making little berry pies. Like that is the life. 
that I want to live right now. Although I will say, I mean, and the thing is a lot of, a lot of books with non-human protagonists are extremely fucking dark. Oh, as we were talking about one on the break. Well, well, Watership Down particularly. I mean, well, yeah, Watership Down (laughs) is dark as fuck. Uh, But there's something that is a little more palatable about it. Cause like in between all the darkness, it's like bunnies eating some grass and you're like, oh, this is okay. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, so, and now a question. I want this is the part of the challenge. I think we get the most questions about because there's a lot of people who want to know what counts as non-human. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you uh, can so take so animals definitely. Animals are going to count, right? Animals definitely are going to work. Yes. Animal uh, Farm, Charlotte's Web, those yeah. kinds of classics absolutely counts. Yes, yes, yes. And also uh, the Art of Racing in the Rain. I've never read that one, but I have read Benicula. Oh, That's Christ a great. Fest. Oh yeah, Benicula is a great, a great um, uh, YA middle grade, middle grade probably book um, for this. A classic Bria pick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, or you could read a sci-fi book with a robot or alien as the main character. Priya, is the Murderbot series? Does that count? Is the is Murderbot the main character? I actually, this is awful. I've never read the Murderbot series, which is, seems so crazy because oh. I. It seems like something I would really, really enjoy. Um, but apparently the bot is a main character. I have other bot suggestions though. Robopocalypse by Daniel H. Wilson is awesome. It's robots, robots at its core. Um, and also Sea of Rust by, uh, uh, our, our friend, uh, C. Robert Cargill is robots in a post, post-apocalypse. Oh, I forgot about that one. Also post-apocalyptic robots, but that one is more like dusty and old apocalypse. Um, like, but there's a lot of, definitely a lot of robot-y books. And then other alien-based books, I thought about Left Hand of Darkness is one because it's a, the main, okay. the, the main protagonist is human, but then you get to know this alien race really well. So I don't know, that would kind of like sit on the edge of it. But anyone where you're like, it's aliens at its core, that's going to be like a, yeah. a, a non-human protagonist for sure. Um, but or also, fantasy books with yeah. elves and orcs. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what about goats? Um, How are we feeling about goats? Yeah, some people have asked about goats, and I, I like technically that counts. It's definitely toe in the line. But the point of this part of the challenge is trying something new. Uh, so if you're reading a weird, fun book with a ghost or haunted house as the protagonist, that's fine. If you read a ton of horror and a ton of book about ghosts, and you're like, oh well, this one counts, maybe try try something else. Um, I was thinking um, for this one, if you wanted a some more literary fiction pick with a ghost, Lincoln and the Bardo. It's all ghosts. It's told from a bunch of ghosts' perspectives. I think the ghosts and and also zombies are maybe like ex-human instead of non-human. Mm-hmm. Does that make no. sense? So you think no? You think this doesn't count? I mean, te- I mean, technically, again, like we're not gonna burst into people's homes and like and 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 police their their reading challenge like technically sure it's a non-human like how you know your mileage may vary on this but mm-hmm. i think uh i think i would there's a gray area there uh it would be more ex-human than non-human <laughs> former human previous previously For- on hu- human humanity <laughs> <laughs> the artist formerly known as a human <laughs> and then we also have like adult animal books right um yeah lives of the monster dogs is one you and i both love oh my god i I remember that was like wicked early on in the podcast yeah i read it after you suggested it um and i loved that book i thought it was great and then one we talked about on the break that i was like do i mention this book which i think we should is um hollow kingdom which came out 
last year and it was on a lot of yeah. people's favorites. Um, I just want to give trigger warnings because it it does have some um, an animal death that really bothered me. But it, I mean, that, it was a testament to the book because the book was very great. It's t- told from the point of view of a crow during a zombie apocalypse. But he makes friends with all these other animals and you get really attached to these other animals, but it is a zombie apocalypse. So warnings for what happens. Uh, but that's a, that'd be a good one. Also, another great, yeah. um, another great uh, adult uh, book is the Traveling Cat Chronicles, which is from the point of view of a cat uh, as as the cat goes on a trip with it, with its owner. Um, trigger warnings from that one as well because the owner is going on a kind of dark experience uh, because of some health reasons. Uh, but it is really great. It's a, it's a fun book. And and the last point we do want to make is again non human protagonist. It's got to be the main character. It cannot be a side character. It cannot be the pal that only is in some of the book. It has to be the main character. Uh, but again, that there's still tons and tons of books. It's harder than you think, but there are a bunch of books out there that qualify for this. We would love to hear what folks are going to be reading for this part of the challenge. You can send us your recommendations to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Before we take a recommendation request, we're going to take a quick break. Rocket Ship One, this is Mission Control. Come in. This is Rocket Ship One. Go ahead. Rocket Ship, what's your status on Max Fun Drive? Shouldn't we have seen it by now? Sorry about that, Mission Control. Turns out I miscalculated. Current projected ETA for Max Fun Drive is July 13th, but it looks different. It'll be for four weeks, so it's longer than expected, but all readings point to low key. Oh, that'll be good. But can you verify that there are still special gifts for new and upgrading monthly members? Verified. Sweet gifts for new and upgrading members, plus amazing new episodes and even special weekly live streams for charity. Copy that. Rocket ship, can you confirm ETA for Max Fun Drive? 90% probability of Max Fun Drive from July 13 to August 7. Did you say 90%? There were a couple of decimal places and I might have carried a zero wrong. I'm just going to pencil in July 13 to August 7. Mission control out. Now it's time to answer a recommendation request from one of our listeners. Emily writes in, Last year, my dad went on a fun solo vacation to a cabin in the woods, but made a terrible book selection for the trip. Haven't we all been there? Mm-hmm. Uh, he brought Universal Harvester by John Darnielle. Yeah. Uh, wow. That is honestly one of the books that I think would be the worst. <laughs> in a cabin in the middle of the woods. Yeah, that one. I or, love or that like book, Cabin like, at the End of the World or something. Then Those are like the Ugh. darkest cabin books. Bad news. Um... But when he returned, uh, he told me about how reading the book made him feel weird and uneasy and he didn't enjoy reading it on his trip. I told him that he should have selected a beach read and that he should consult me next time. Well, next time it's coming up. He's planning to go on a similar trip this fall and I need help finding some good beach reads for dads. He's a 68-year-old architect hippie. He reads mostly nonfiction about Buddhism, spirituality, history, especially of the West California, food, nature, and environmentalism. He does also read fantasies such as game of thrones lord of the rings and the king killer chronicles he always says that he should read more fiction but is overall more naturally drawn to nonfiction. your recommendations would be greatly appreciated bria what should this dad read 
Yeah, well, uh, look, I loved Universal Harvester, but it is, uh, it's not an easy read. Um, I have a go-to relaxing read that I brought up on the show before, but it is food-related, and it's set in California, so I was like, I just feel like I need to tell your dad about it. Um, it's Sourdough by Robin Sloan. Um, it's oh, about, yes. yeah, it's, it's um, uh, um, about a woman who essentially, like, ends up quitting her job because she gets this magical sort of sourdough starter. It has some magical realism in it, but it's not as magical realism-ish as, like, it's not super heavy on that. Um, but I do think it's great, and if you like food, I think it's a real foodie book. Um, the other book I was going to recommend, um, in case, like, I've, y'all have heard that one too many times from me, um is uh, a book that's sort of like a fiction version that involves like life, death, and spirituality, but it's also like really funny, and it's called Reincarnation Blues by Michael Poor. I remember um, you talking about this. Yeah, I really liked it. It has like, it is about a romantic, it has a romantic ro- romantic element um, because it's about a man who relives his life 10,000 times in order to be with his true love. So it has this like fantasy part, but then it also sort of gets into like, reincarnation and uh uh just like living your life over and over again uh, it has where it's like more of a um philosophical like life stuff rather than like the religious aspect of that it's just like he just is in a world in which he gets uh reborn into other various bodies um and lives various lives trying to find this one one person um and it asks a lot of interesting life questions so i think it's a good dad book uh mallory you got a dad book for this I have uh, what I think is the ultimate dad book for this. Okay. I'm very proud of this recommendation. Uh, it is Barbarian Days by William Finnegan. Uh, and it, it won the 2016 Pulitzer for biography. Um, I remember the, when it came out, it was like one of the big, buzzy nonfiction books of 2016. Um, so it's nonfiction. It is a memoir. And it's about the author uh, who he grows grows up in California and Hawaii and he's a surfer and the book is all about how his surfing adventures just like take him have taken him all over the world uh and the things that he learns and the way that he looks at life through the lens of being a surfer and travel and uh so it's a travel book it's an adventure book it's like a very dad-esque autobiography and like come on what dad doesn't wish that he was a surfer it's like literally a beach read nice it is very it is yes it is very philosophical while all beaches in it (laughs) (laughs) it's like a good mesh of like philosophy and spirituality but also like adventure and travel which is like the i think it's like the the hot center of a dad wheelhouse great sounds good give one of these (laughs) uh so that's barbarian days by william finnegan oh and mine were sourdough by robin sloan and reincarnation blues by michael poor so you can send your recommendation request to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com Let's look at some book tech advances in bookish technology. So in the wake of our snacks episode, uh, folks have got us some snacks off of our Amazon wish list. And since gummies won out as the premier reading snack, we put uh, the Yum Earth Vegan Organic Fruit Snacks on there. And a listener named Roxanne got them for us. Thank you, Roxanne. Well, Bria, what did you think of these? Well, so my complaint on the podcast <laughs> a few months ago was that I had ordered some gummy snacks that will remain nameless uh, that were vegan, and they taste, they were, <laughs> it was like The gummies eating, that shall reading. not be named. It was like eating, uh, like, like, it was like eating Play-Doh. No, it was like stickier than that. I don't know how to explain it. It was Ugh. like a consistency. There are a that, lot of vegan gummy snacks that are too gooey. 
Yeah, it was so gooey. It was like a, it was like eating concrete that then sticks to your teeth. And I could not get it off. And it was so annoying. It made me really sad. And I was just like, I guess gummy snacks are not in the cards for us. But then you sent the this Roxanne sent us these, and wow, these were great. I loved these. Um I thought they tasted really good. They weren't too sweet, but they were pretty sweet. They had several kinds of fruits in them, you know, like there was like I don't know, like oranges or some shit, apples. I don't oh, know. There were kinds. peaches, peaches, strawberries, bananas, and I can't remember the other one. No oranges? Some kind of berry. Citrus? Cherries, maybe? I don't know. But they were great. Maybe it was a cherry. I could go grab them if you want me to. I still have some left. Um, I thought they were really good. I thought this would be a good reading snack because you can, one, the, the ones we got were individually sized. So, you know, you're you're not like eating like four pounds of gummies, which would probably end up in some sort of weird bathroom situation. Like this is just like <gasps> a small amount of gummies. Perfect for you to you do a little when, snack. Um, you remember when birthday ate all that flour and was just like in a pile of flour? Like I just imagine somebody walking in and you're just surrounded by gummy wrappers and just like on the floor. It's like, oh no. One time, this is, everyone's going to think I'm a bad dog dog owner, but one time I walked in and birthday had found, gotten into this giant thing of nuts we had. It was like a Costco size oh, thing of nuts. This. And then, and she looked at me and she had this look on her face like, please take these away. These, I've because she had like tried to, she had like clearly stopped eating because they were like so many and she was full, but she was like, I can't stop myself. I need you to take these nuts away. I cannot, st- I can't stop eating them, but I know I must. It was very sad. Um, and that dog shit nuts for days. It was horrible, uh, but it was okay. She was fine. Um, uh, anyway, oh these gummies, yum earth gummies. These are great. They're five out of five for me. Um, I actually let uh, I let John eat them as well in my household. He loved them. He thought they were good. He thought they were a little I love too how sweet. You, like, you let John eat them. Like, I let him have a are sample. The of the snacks, and you have bestowed some snacks upon John. He said uh, he was like, "Yeah, they're pretty. They're they're good. I'd give them three out of five. And I was like, "You obviously do not understand our rating system, in which three out of five would be failing. These are a five out of five snack." Five out of five for me. How did you feel? <laughs> Fix your rating, John. Uh, I also feel like these are a five out of five uh, reading snack for me. They're very tasty. No crumbs. You do not have to look at them to eat them. They don't stick together, so you're not, like, looking in the bag. Uh, they don't stick to the roof of your mouth like some vegan gummies, uh, and they leave a very minimal amount of finger residue. I was able to eat these without a napkin handy because I, I, it was really funny. <laughs> They're not uh, melty. They're not super well, melty. Yes. Uh G- I, Jeremy also wanted to eat some of these, but I was so, I was like, well, if you're going to eat these gummies, you have to eat them when you're reading a book because I'm testing them out for the podcast. So like I made him sit down and we're like both sat in our reading chairs and like ate these gummies while we were reading. Um, I will say the only downside to the package that we got is that they are, they made me feel like a giant person. Like they are individually sized, but I feel like they are individually, individually sized for children. Like there's only mm. like six to eight of them in an individual bag. And I felt like a giant like eating a tiny snack like oh yeah you need two ba- you need two bags you can't just fuck with one bag one bag is, yeah, is too, like, too few gummies i feel like for these to be the ultimate reading snack you'd have to get two or three bags and empty them out into a bowl and then eat mm. them yeah that's fine you can do that or <laughs> i'm sure to- you can get them in larger bags we just got the individually sized ones don't you think yes 
Uh, I also want to point out to our listeners that obviously can't see us recording. But Bria still has the the. <laughs> we recorded recorded last week's episode. We record two episodes at a time, and Bria still has the figure coverings on her fingers while we're recording, and it makes it just like makes me laugh so hard. But I will say, you wouldn't need the chip fingers for. Nah these gummies and they, yeah. they're they, they were just really tasty they were very yeah. good they're very good different from a lot of vegan gummies in that they were um they were very firm very highly recommended reading snack i'm gonna say the the gummy re the gummy snack readers are like they're living in 3030 they're just like living <laughs> in the future like they truly are what does 3030 mean ahead of their time that means the, the year they're living in yeah, they're just living in the future. Oh. They're it's a next, and, no, next and level readers. I'm sorry I, I was disparaging about vegan gummies. It's just like, I, I guess the whole point is that, like, you don't want the gelatin or whatever. And so I was disparaging when someone had, I, there's, I, I guess I made the mistake of buying the wrong kind. I bought, like, some kind that was clearly made of, I don't know, some sort of Trust space, we all space know goo. That space foo- goo. That spoo. <laughs> Buying vegan food could definitely be a hit or a miss, but some yeah. things are just very tasty, but some things trying to figure out a non animal formula for some food is an adventure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, now that we've done some testing, I am very, uh, feeling very confident that the gummy people are correct. And this is the premier reading snack. Wow. I don't know if I've come around to that, but I will say I did enjoy these gummies. Uh, so if you want to, and uh, we're going to have them on f- future episodes, but we have gotten something really incredible listener feedback uh, about which snacks people eat when they're reading and the methods that they use to consume them. Folks, like we we only have two or three, we only have enough time for like two or three listener emails at the top of the show, but we get like such a massive volume of emails that it like kills me that we can't read a ton of them at once. But well. In future episodes, we'll be talking about them. It, it is truly, truly incredible. I remember we got one and Sean saw it and was like, do you guys ever think about, do you folks ever think about what choices in your life have led up to this? <laughs> and it's like, yes. Uh, so if you want us to test out some book tech or send your thoughts about the 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 top uh, reading snack or way to consume snacks while you're reading, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy and Jessica who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. I want to say, folks, me and Bria have had a, for various personal reasons, have a very tough time on the internet recently. And we both separately were text, like talking to each other and we're like, we would, honest to God, get rid of our social media if it wasn't for the Reading Glasses listeners. Yeah, because y'all are folks so are funny. So you're funny and you're wonderful and you're so kind and you're so affirming and you make Twitter, like I wouldn't, I would absolutely have deleted my Facebook if it wasn't for the reading glasses group. I have been very seriously considering deleting my Twitter, but the reading glasses folks are just the fucking best. So thank Mm -hmm. you all for being a bright spot in our lives. Thanks for talking to us on Instagram and on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, if you're interested in finding us there on Twitter, we're reading G podcast on Instagram. We're reading glasses podcast. Um, and if you want to buy reading glasses merch, we have it, uh, on our maximum fun store. We have tote bags and bookmarks and shirts and, um, stickers. And they're really, really cool. We, we love them. And we love when folks send in photos of them in shirts or the merch that they bought in their homes and like various cool Instagram can configurations. Um, and you can buy them out, buy them in the store. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like the show and want to help us out for free, you can rate and review us on iTunes. It's great for us. It helps us reach more readers. 
helps us get more advertisers. It helps us look really fucking cool. Um, and you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. You can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks and for arrest reading. arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. <laughs>